podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, two for the podcast on Friday, the 16th of September. Brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network will allow you to go online, change your location, access things you're geoblocked from, while also keeping your data safe. Go to LibertyShield.com right now. Use the code EPL25. That's EPL25. To get 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check at homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfil Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Do remember, as always, to check out the EPL Index podcasts from Kevin DeVries and Co. That is the EPL Roundtable. You'll find that by searching EPL Roundtable on your podcast provider. And a tad predictable, hosted by Tadiwa, who appears to be on holiday at the moment. That podcast normally comes out on this feed. No games last week, so he didn't do one. So doesn't seem to have bothered himself this week either. Part-timer. Part-time people. Anyway, uh, I'm here. Uh, I won't be here Monday. I'm letting you know that now, but I will be back on Tuesday, all going to plan. So, uh, let's get into this. We are going to run through the results from last night's games, run through the gossip, then we'll take a break, then we'll bring in Guy, and we will run through this weekend's games, and I will predict them really badly, as always. So, let's start with the Europa League. Real Sociedad 2. Ammonia won. Ander Guevara and Alexander Sorlot with the goals for Real Sociedad. Bruno Felipe with the consolation goal for Ammonia. I say consolation, they did equalise. It was 1-0 to, to Sociedad, then won all, and then Sociedad got the winner. Olympiacos nil, Freiburg 3. Nicholas Hoffler and Michael Gregorich. Gregorich? Gregorich. Um, with the goals for Freiburg, really good win for them away from home. That's an impressive performance. Sheriff Piraspol nil, Manchester United two. This game was played on neutral ground, um, because of hostilities or whatever in the region that Sheriff are from. Uh, United won two nil. Jaden Sancho on seventeen and a Cristiano Ronaldo penalty on thirty nine. I genuinely have never seen such overexcitement at a very uninspiring performance. United were not particularly good in this game. United had eight starters and three lads on the bench who all individually earn more in a week 
than Sheriff's entire squad of players earning a week. Eight players in the starting lineup, three on the bench. And United played basically their first 11. The only change you would say would be, oh, well, no, to be fair, there would be two. Rashford in for Cristiano, who doesn't start in the league because, well, he's not really good enough to start in the league anymore. And you would suggest Casemiro in for Scott McTominay. <laughs> but United played 11 lads last night at different stages who all earned more and scraped by a 2-0 win, which required a penalty from Cristiano just to make it look more than what it was. Oli Ball at its finest. Um, Feyenoord 6, Sturm Graz 0. Johan Bikash, who used to play for Brighton, he got 2. Hanko got one, Danilo got one, Santiago Jimenez and Osama Idrisi with the goals. That is a comprehensive paddling. Quarabeg three, nil. surprised by this one. Quibena, Zuber and Jankovic with the goals. And to be fair, it's a fairly... It's not a, a full-strength nonce team, but it's fairly close. Uh, Monaco won, sorry, no, Monaco nil, Ferenc Varish won. This is probably the surprise of the night. Vexi with the only goal of the game on 79 to give the Hungarians a win in the Principality. Disappointing for Monaco. Trabs on sport two, Red Star Belgrade one. Marek Hamsik, if you didn't know where he was, he's a Trabs on sport these days, as is former Aston Villa winger Trezeguet. They got the goals to put Trabs on sport one up at Nikolic equal up. Uh, Pulled them back in the 89th minute for Red Star. This was a surprise as well. Mitteland 5, Lazio 1. Paulinha, Kaba, Ivander, Isakson, Sviatchenko scored for Mitteland. Milinkovic Savage got the only goal for Lazio. And Again, I don't think it's full strength Lazio. It's not full strength, but it's cl- again, it is very, very close. It is very, very close. It's probably eight of their starting 11, of their best 11. That's very disappointing. Ren 2, Fenerbahce 2. Very, very disappointing for Ren. They were 2 0 up. Martin Terrier and my man Lovro Meyer. Scoring within two minutes of each other to put them 2-0 up. Irfan Kvechi scored on 60. Hamari Traore was sent off on 83 for Ren, And then Ener Valencia scored a 92nd minute penalty to give the Turkish side a draw. Um, Michi Batshuayi, if you're wondering where he is, he's at Feyenoord now. Feyenoord, Fenerbahce. <clears throat> God, words are not working for me today. Bodo Glimt 2, FC Zurich 1. A Salne's own goal and Vettelsen put Bodo 2-1 up. Avdejic, he scored in the 81st minute to give the scoreline a bit of respectability for Zurich. Roma 3, HJK 0. Dybala, Pellegrini and Bellotti with the goals. HJK played from the 14th minute on with 10 men after Tenho was sent off. Dino Kiev nil, Larnaca one. Uh, Gierskill? Gierskill is what I'm going to go with. Uh, he scored the only goal in the eight minute. This game 
was played in Poland, I believe it was, because obviously games can't be played in the Ukraine at the moment. Braga won Union Berlin nil. Uh, Oliveira with the only goal of the game. Real Betis three, Ludogorets two. Luis Enrique Joaquin, the legend of Betis, and Sergio Canellas, who is working his way towards similar status with the goals for the home side. Despotov and Rick with the goals for um with the goals for Ludogorets. Rick. What a tremendous name. What do we know about this guy? Rick is a Brazilian. His real name is, is actually Rick. Rick Jonathan Lima Moraes, simply known as Rick. A Brazilian forward who plays for Ludogorets. Was that Gremio? For a while, came through at Kiera. Genuinely don't know anything about the guy. But uh, Rick, that is a brilliant. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Um, I've lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. Union St. Galice 3, Malmo 2, Burgess, Tuma, and Boniface with the uh, goals for the home side. Cisse and Thielen with the uh, goals for Malmo. That is your Europa League catch up. Europa Conference League, the one you've all been waiting for. Slavia Prague 3, Balkany 2. I'm not going to do the scorers in these because I'm just going to butcher more names. And these are these are going to be names I can't say. So we're going to skip by the, the goal scorers unless it's somebody of note. Uh, Punic 2, Bratislava 0. Zalgiris 0. Basel 1. Andy Zakiri on loan, if I'm not mistaken, from Brighton with the only goal of the game. Let me make sure of that, yeah, unknown from Brighton. Um, Jurgen uh, three, Mulder two. Joel Osoro, is that the guy that used to play for? That can't be the same guy. That was at Sunderland. It is the same guy that was at Sunderland. He's at Sunderland and then Swansea. Went on loan to Groningen, had a loan at Genoa that didn't work at all. I didn't know that's where he was playing. He's gone back to Switzerland, to Sweden. He was really highly rated as a young player. I'm very, very surprised that that's at 23 that he's back in Sweden. Maybe it's by choice. But, I mean, he left at 16 and looked like he was going to be a, a really promising player. Um, yeah, so there you go. That's what he's doing now. Uh, Ghent 3, Shamrock Rovers 0. We're going to gloss over that one. AZ Alkmaar 4, Vaduz 1. Danny DeWitt scored there for, for Alkmaar. Cluj 0, Sivaspor 1. Max Gradle, formerly of... Bournemouth, he got the only goal in that one. Apple in one, Dnipro three. Istanbul, Besiktas three, Fiorentina nil. Um, of note here, Bertrand Traore scored. Jonathan Acconi was sent off. And Fiorentina's goalkeeper, Golini, who you might remember, was at Spurs on loan last year, previously 
was at uh, at Atlanta and at one point in his career was at both Manchester United and then at Aston Villa. Had an absolute power. And I would like to ask the question of how it is that Fiorentina went from having Dragowski and Albin Lafont, two of the most talented young goalkeepers in the world, to having this fella within three years. That is absolutely awful management of that club. And he is desperate. Absolutely desperate. Um, the artist formerly known as Stoya Bucharest nil, Anderlecht nil. Game didn't quite work out as I had hoped. But I thought Popescu showed some some flashes. Silkberg 2, West Ham 3. West Ham looked like they were going to run away with this at one point. They had gone 1-0 down. Casper Kusk scored. But then Lanzini scored a penalty. Skimaka scored. And Craig Dawson scored. And it was 3-1 at half time. And then they took off Declan Rice. And they started to fall apart. Uh, Tengstead scored in the 75th minute. And West Ham were lucky to get out of there with the win. Partizan Belgrade won. Nice won. Joe Bryan, formerly of Fulham, currently on loan from Fulham uh, with the goal. It's, there's a proper little English enclave building at Nice, excuse me, or British en- enclave, I should say. You've got Joe Bryan, you've got Ross Barkley, you've got Aaron Ramsey, uh, Nicholas Pepe is there on loan, played as a number 10 last night, Mario Lamina is there. Mads Beck Sorensen, formerly of Brentford, is there. Malvin Bard, why does his name sound familiar? Oh, yeah, he was at Leon. Yeah. Proper little place to go for English players who don't quite make the grade in England. Two players to watch there, though. Actually, three players to watch. If you are watching Nice anytime soon. Atal, the right back, is loads of fun. Tadebo is another one of this great young generation of French centre-backs. Now, he's had a couple of moves. He's bounced around a little bit, but he's very, very promising. And Kefren Turam, who is the youngest son of Lillian Turam, and very, very talented. Beersheva 1, Villarreal 2. Cologne 4, Slovakko 2. Uh, again, nobody of note scoring, so it isn't relevant to me. Leg Poznan 4, Austria Vienna 1. Strong win for Leg Poznan, who, if you don't know, Manchester City's fans owe oh, the one thing they do well. They don't even know if they do it anymore, where they used to turn their back and do the bounce thing. That was the Poznan, that came from them. Uh, but this was good. RFS nil, Hearts 2. Uh, Shankland and Alan Forrest with the goals. Really good win for Hearts, and they can be quite happy. Uh, I should go through the groups. Group A, Istanbul, Besiktas top, Hearts second, RFS third, and Fiorentina bottom. Group B, West Ham, Anderlecht, Stoibukarest, and so- I'm going to call them Stoibukarest. I don't care that legally they're not allowed to call themselves Stoibukarest. That's one of the most disgraceful things I've ever heard. That will always be Stoya Bucharest. 
Uh, Silkberg fourth. Villarreal, Lech uh, Poznan, Beersheva and Austria Vienna is how Group C lines up. Group D, Cologne top, Partizan, Nice and Slovakko. Group E, Azel Alkmaar, Dnipro, Apollon and Vaduz. Group F, Ghent, Jurgarden, Molde, Shamrock Rovers. Moment of silence there for us being bottom of the group. I say us. I'm not a huge fan. St. Pat's Athletic were the team I liked growing up. Now I just follow whoever's whoever's playing in Europe, really, just to support them. But I, I wouldn't watch. I don't I don't watch a whole lot of Irish uh, football. Uh, Slavia Prague, Sinaspor, Balkany and Cluj in Group G. That's one through four, obviously. And then Group H, Basel, Pionic, Salgiris and Slovan, Bratislava. If you were curious about how the Europa League groups were lining up, Group A, Bodo Glimt top, Arsenal second, but they have a game in hand against PSV, who are third, and FC Zurich are bottom. Group B, it's Ren and Fenerbahce top, level on points, level on goal difference, Larnica in third, and Dinamo Kiev in fourth. Group C, Real Betis top, Ludogorets and Roma second, third. And HJK bottom. Group D, Braga, Union St. Jalos, Union Berlin, and Malmo. Group E, Real Sociedad, Manchester United in second, Mighty Sheriff Tiraspol in third, and Ammonia in fourth. Group F, Feyenoord, Mittelland, Lazio, and Sturm Graz. Uh, group G, Freiburg, Quarabeg, Nantes, and Olympiacos. And Group H, Ferenc Farage top, that's a surprise. Trabzonspor, then Monaco, and then Red Star Belgrade. Um, so yeah, that's where we sit after two games. Let's do the gossip and then we'll take a break. Manchester United want Jan Oblak to replace David De Gea. Jan Oblak is as bad a fit for how Ten Hag wants to play as De Gea. So I would file that one under garbage. Manchester City are set to join Chelsea in the race to sign Rafael Liao. I wouldn't believe anything that comes out of Calcio Mercato, but Rafael Liao is sensational. Chelsea made an informal bid for Liao in the summer transfer window. Of course they did. They made informal bids for just about everybody. AC Milan are looking for replacements for Divock Origi, despite only signing him in the summer. No, they're not. Nonsense. Newcastle have agreed terms with Egyptian-born forward Karang Pool, who plays in Australia for Central Coast Mariners. Okay. Former manager Oli Gunnar Solskjaer recommended Erling Haaland to Manchester United when both were at Molde, but the Red Devils chose against a move for the player. From the Athletic, I'll just file that under nonsense as well. James Rodriguez has completed the medical before his move to Olympiacos. Liverpool will not hesitate. This is this is garbage. I don't even want to bother reading this. I've already been over this on the Daily Red. New Wolves striker Diego Costa has an outside chance of making his debut for the club in their game against Manchester City on Saturday after he took part in a full training session. I really hope he does get to play. It'll just be fun to see him back in the league. Chelsea Aaron talks to a point. Red Bull... Salzburg's Christian uh, Christoph Freund as their sporting director. Um. Okay. 
He has been there seven years. Before that, he was a sports coordinator. And before that, he was the team manager, not the manager-manager, but he was kind of in charge of overseeing the wants and needs, if you will. Um, He has been at the club now for 16 years in total. So I suppose it makes sense for him to move on. I guess. And he's obviously got a good eye for talent, but Red Bull's scouting network is not going to come with him. Like he, He's not going to be able to bring that. So we'll see. It, it would be interesting to see how he would do outside of the Red Bull circle. Chelsea have been holding talks with buying a club in Portugal as part of Todd Bowley's multi-club ownership plan. I mean, like, I, I don't even know where to go with this fella. Um, focus on learning how to run one football club first, maybe. That might be your best course of action. Learn how to run one football club, because as things stand, you're making a rather large mess. Liverpool are leading the race to sign Jude Bellingham. Uh, the... <laughs> The headline said that. The article in the Telegraph under the headline did not say that. Liverpool are considering a move for Matthias Nunes as an alternative to Bellingham. They could have signed him in the summer if they'd wanted. Klopp decided not to, so tripe. Hakim Ziyech was keen to leave Stamford Bridge this summer with former club Ajax and AC Milan both interested. Milan apparently got quite close to a deal and then it fell apart. Um, Christoph Freund has refused to rule out joining Chelsea and said in the summer the Blues showed interest in Benjamin Sesko. Brighton midfielder Moises Casado has said he is focused on playing for the South Coast Club and Ecuador at the World Cup, but that nobody would turn down an offer from Chelsea or any other club like that. See, the issue I take with this type of headline and this type of journalism is that words were basically put in his mouth. He didn't say, oh, I'd really like to go there. He was directly asked a question about going to uh, Chelsea to play under Potter again. He didn't just volunteer the information. It's the same thing when that Muppet Ben Jacobs asked Mikhailo Mudrick, would you have interest in going to Arsenal? And he just spoke about Arsenal. He could have asked him that question about any Premier League club, and he would have given the same answer. That type of journalism is dangerous. Newcastle United are interested in Shakhtar Donetsk and Ukraine midfielder Mikhailo Mudrik, who has been linked with Arsenal and Brentford. Newcastle would probably be the best move for him. Him and Isak would be really, really exciting together. Um, Shakhtar Donetsk have confirmed they rejected a 30 million euro bid for, for the player from Everton Valencia, Villarreal, Celta Vigo and Real Sociedad are all lining up pre-contract offers for Ben Breert and Diaz with Everton and Leeds also targeting them the difference is they can offer them that, him them pre-contracts on January 1st Everton and Leeds can't officially talk to him until the summer 
Eric Ten Hag will be given at least 70 million to spend in January. Oh, you can't make these things up. Former Tottenham and England defender Danny Rose is close to signing with AEK Athens after leaving Watford earlier this month. I think that would be fun to see. I, I really like when English players just take a chance and go live somewhere else and play their football in a foreign land. And it can work out really well. Look at the likes of Jude Bellingham and Sancho. Look at Marcus Edwards thriving in Portugal. Now, obviously, it's a different situation with Danny Rose because he's that bit older, but we've seen a bunch of English players go to Turkey and do well. So why not? Brighton are continuing talks with former Shakhtar manager Roberto De Zerbi as they look to replace Graham Potter. Juventus could also be an option for De Zerbi if the Serie A side decide to part company with Max Allegri. They should look higher than De Zerbi. Um, he, Brighton is ideal for him. David De Gea says he was close to joining Wigan in 2009 before moving to Old Trafford. Really? What age was he? He was 18 at that point. So it must have been before his Atleti debut. He made his first team debut in the 09-10 season. He'd been playing for the reserves the year before. When did they sign Joel Robles? Let's see. Uh, no, Joel Robles didn't go to Wigan until 2013. He was at Atleti with De Gea. He was sort of one behind him in the packing order. So when De Gea was the B team keeper, he was the C team keeper. When De Gea became the first choice keeper, he became, well, sort of this, uh, the second choice keeper initially. He became the B team keeper. And then when De Gea was first choice, he was the backup. Um, Joel Robles, what a, what a guy. I, I really like that he's at Leeds now. I think that was a really clever signing. He's not a great goalkeeper by any stretch, but he's got good experience. Uh, Didier Deschamps said he will not pick Paul Pogba for the World Cup unless he is fully fit. And that is probably the most sensible thing. Uh, that Didier Deschamps has said in about four years. So we will leave it there. We'll take a break. And when we come back, Young Drinkle will join us and we will go through the seven Premier League games that we are permitted to have this weekend. I will see you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, Mr. Drinkle is with us. How are you, Guy? Hi, I'm okay. How are you, Dev? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Right, we have seven games, including two tonight, which is is fun, but I, I can't help but be annoyed that they're not on at different times. It's just odds. I mean, why... I'm guessing these one of these was the Sunday game and got moved. Or it must have been original. Well, so no, why would there, there was, be two on Friday. There was originally three on Sunday, 
Brentford Arsenal, Everton, West Ham, and then Liverpool, Chelsea. So unless this one was meant to be on at the same time as Everton, West Ham. Um, but we can watch every other game without it clashing with um, with another one because you've got Wolves City at 12.30. You've got one 3 p.m. kickoff in Newcastle, Bournemouth, one half five in Tottenham, Leicester. So tomorrow the games line up really well. And then Sunday, Brentford Arsenal is at noon. Everton, West Ham is at quarter past two. So you can watch all of them. You have to pick one of the games tonight, and I that bothers me. But anyway, let's let's launch in and see where we go. Well, we'll start off with Villa against Southampton. Um, Villa obviously improved in their last game uh, and needed to as well. But it looks like they're coming into the game with a good few issues. And we know, well, Southampton, as we say every time we preview a Southampton game, is literally minute to minute whether they're in form or not. But yeah, they've been good so far, or certainly performing well so far. But Villa without Matty Cash, um, which will mean Ashley Young at right back, I presume. Uh, Ashley um, Young at right back. All their keepers currently uh, have knocks. Now, he... he I said Martinez is ill. Yeah, oh, sorry, he's ill, yeah. And Robin Olsen has a knee injury, but he said they should be fine. Um, Ollie Watkins, he's ill, so but he should be back as well. But Jan Bednarak can't play because... He, he's still owned by Southampton. And Diego Carlos obviously is ruled out for probably most of the season. So it is going to be a bit patchwork if everybody's not ready. Um, Villa haven't been good this season, obviously. They did show a bit of fight against City, but like if we're being honest, City should have been about 4-0 up before Villa got their goal. Um, it was more down to City pricking about that Villa stayed in the game. Southampton, as you said, they're just they're just wild. Like you wouldn't know what you're going to get from one minute to the next. This is must win, I think, for Gerard, because I think pressure is really starting to mount. His record is dreadful at Aston Villa. Like it is absolutely dreadful, and it's worse than his. What is it? how many games he managed at Villa? He has managed. 35 games, and if I'm not mistaken, his league record in those 35 games is considerably worse than, not considerably worse, but is worse than Dean Smith's last 35 games there. Yeah. And Dean Smith got sacked. Like, he's won 12 of 35. A 34.3% win rate. That really isn't good. And it's really not good enough for a club like Aston Villa. They rarely drew games as well. I think that was part of the issue, wasn't it, last season, where they'd only win, which is obviously a rare occurrence, and that, and then lose all over terms. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, no in-between, no draws, just win or lose. At the moment, like, the list of managers for Aston Villa with worse records than Steve and Gerrard is, is a pretty ugly list. Like, it's Di Matteo, who was sacked after 12 games. Remy Gard, who was a disaster. Alex McLeish, who was a disaster Billy and lasted one year. Billy McNeil didn't even last a full season. Tommy Doherty, 
they gave him just over a year. Tommy Cummins, uh, less, just over a year. Paul Lambert, now he was there three years. And they weren't very good under him at all. I still remember, though, a certain journalist saying that he was a better appointment for them than Rodgers was for Liverpool because he, he'd done really well up until there. He's been awful since. Uh, Jimmy McMullen back in the 60s, he got just over a year. Graham Turner, he got two years. Graham Taylor in his latter stage, uh, he managed just over a year. Josef Wenglos, they gave him a year. Eric Houghton, he was there for five years in the 50s, so not really relevant. Dick Taylor in the 60s. Tim Sherwood, who's a laughing stock, and David O'Leary, who had been really good at Leeds and didn't work at all at Villa. Then it's Gerrard. And then, like, Dean Smith is has a 5% better win percentage. Now, I know he managed in the championship for a year, but still. Or the, not a full season, but most of a season. Brian Little, Martin O'Neill, Joe Mercer, John Gregory, Ron Atkinson, Vic Crow, Ron Saunders, Tony Barton, Steve Bruce had a better win percentage. Uh, that, wasn't the, that wasn't the championship. It was the championship, but, it was, but he was managing a championship team. That's true. I was going to say the same for Tim Sherwood and, and I know Remy Gard has seen as hilariously oh, bad. Tactics, but... Timmy was in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, I know, but their, their teams were much worse than what we've the, got. Oh, what he has now, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, it's just... I, I don't think he's going to last long. We're coming up on a year. He took over November 2021. I, I don't know that he'll last much beyond that. Um, I could see him going during the World Cup break if things haven't sorted themselves out. Well, if he I loses this he one, it is an international break. So yeah, and there are managers sitting out there available and they're owners with deep pockets who have ambitions of their club going somewhere. Well, that's the thing. If they can't attract, we all I think we both speculated at the time that they'd probably go for someone like Pochettino. But if they can't get someone like that, they'll be uh, fishing in the same waters as, as Brighton for a, a Deserby or something. Des- exactly. So exactly. They might, might move. And that's kind of the thing is that, like, these owners, they also won't be scared to look at managers who are currently employed. Remember, Gerard was at Rangers. He wasn't a free agent when they, they hired him. So mm. they they will gladly take a look at somebody who's already in a job and think, right, we're just going to go and poach him. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if they threw a big bag of money at Thomas Frank. To be big- fair, out of all the clubs, and I know you'll laugh at this, I think even like Brendan Rodgers would be okay for Villa. If you, if you figure out to sack him before it goes horrendous, I think he could be a good stepping stone for Villa. If you make a decision on the day you appoint him that you're going to sack him, basically two, two years, two and a half two, years from two and now, a, yeah. So, <laughs> so if you if you hired him, say in the world, let's say Leicester sack him, right? Yeah. In this international break, which I think a lot of people expect, let's say in the World Cup break, Villa decide to give to to make a change. They sack Jared and they bring in Rogers. So they give him the rest of this season. And then the two seasons after. And if they make a conscious decision that no matter what happens, we're sacking him at the end of what would be the 2024-25 season, 
they could be okay with that then. No matter yeah. what happens. I don't care if he wins the league, sack him, because it will go badly. <laughs> but, we, we've won the league. We're getting Lovren and... Oh, God, he'd turn Lovren and Mings, wouldn't he? Oh, 100%. Oh, God, yeah. Lovren, Lovren <laughs> Mings, and Yannick Vestergaard in for a bit of passing. Um, I, I just... I'd hate to see them do that, because I, mm. I want to like Villa, because I, I've always had a, a bit of a soft spot for Villa. A couple of my friends growing up were Villa fans. Um, but... Brendan, I, I would have to dislike them. Because the Villa podcast would be gold, though. So It would be absolute gold. Really nice of the lads to cancel recent podcasts in honour of, of Her Majesty's death. Uh, it's what the Queen would have wanted, lads, so, so fair play. Uh, the truth is they've cancelled recent podcasts because if Liam's views on the monarchy were given publicity, that podcast would never see the light of day again. They would be cancelled in record time. Um, anyway, Southampton have a couple of injuries of their own as well. Uh, obviously, Livermento is out. Romeo Lavi is out, and that's a huge blow. He's going mm-hmm. to be out until the middle of October. But they do still have, you know, Diallo can come into midfield, so they should be okay. I'm going to go for the draw here. I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a decent game. Um, but I just I struggle to see what the plan is with Villa. But then they yeah. did batter. Didn't they batter Southampton last year? Saints were on a good run. They went to Villa and got thumped. So, I think what we've discovered is form doesn't matter for Southampton. Form so doesn't that, matter that for, doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know the form really matters for anybody in this league anymore. No. But I think um I think they're better equipped to cope with Ollie Watkins this year because they've got Bella Kotchup yeah. and Salisu who are both quick and powerful. And Kalam might come in to make a back three now. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. If they play him in the middle of the three, play Walker-Peters as one wing back and either Gineppo or Perot as the other, I think that's mm-hmm. pretty good. It'd be pretty aggressive going forward as well. Gineppo against Ashley Young sounds... It, that sounds appetising. Yeah. It really does. And Villa don't play with wingers, so he's going to have the freedom of the pitch. And if it if... is, it's Bailey, in, let's be honest. Yeah, he's not tracking back. <laughs> he's the, he'll Bailey back. does a very good job of tracking back to the halfway line. And then decides it's someone else's job. So um, you have to pick them hamstrings after all. Uh, I-, I can see this been a draw. I'll go I'll go 1-1. One, one. Yeah, and that is the one on telly if you're in the UK. So that's on Sky. Um, but the other Friday night game is the championship battle of, well, completely new team Nottingham Forest against Fulham, Dave, who, to be fair, I know they lost their last game, but I think Fulham... Maybe the surprise, maybe Brighton being in top four, but Fulham maybe be the surprise of the season so far. Just they're comfortably mid table, and even in the games they've lost or dropped points in, they've performed really well. In um, they have. I think it just proved Marco Silva wasn't the issue ever. <laughs> it's surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, Marco Silva wasn't the issue. Marco Silva is a good manager, and he showed that at Hull. He almost kept them up when they were. Definitely going down when he took over. Like failing as manager, Jesus. Yeah, I mean that's 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 the problem. Why weren't you doing this podcast then? Oh, can you imagine comedy. Steve Bruce quit just before the season started? They appointed Mike Phelan as like caretaker, and then just left him in the job because they were too cheap to appoint somebody else. Um, he did a good job at Watford until Everton tapped him up, and then his head was turned. 
obviously it went badly then at the end there, and then obviously he went to Everton. And I, I thought he had the move in the right direction, but that's just a toxic club. He's done really well at Fulham so far. I think the little break he had as well between Everton and Fulham probably did a yeah. more of the good. But this should be a good game. So these were the two best teams in the championship from when Steve Cooper took over at Forest. So over 38 games, these two were basically neck and neck the whole way. And I think this could be a very good game. I think it's more important for Forest to get the win because they're currently in the bottom three. But Fulham have been impressive so, so far this season. Like you said, even the games they've lost, nobody has handled them. Nobody's just given them a bit of a slap. Like we've seen Forrest get thumped by City. Uh, we've seen Bournemouth get annihilated at Anfield. But nobody has put Forrest, uh, put Fulham to the sword yet. I think I'm going to sit on the fence here and go for the draw. Where are we with injuries? So Forrest have Niakata out, Mangala out. That's not ideal. And Omar Richards is out. That's not ideal. The Mangala one is, is a blow. Remy, Remo Freuler has to start tonight. Has to start tonight. Uh, Fulham, still no Harry Wilson. He's out for a while. We might not see him play in the Premier League till after the World Cup. Uh, Anthony Robinson has a bit of a foot injury and Manor Solomon is out for the foreseeable after knee surgery. Kazawa debut by the sounds of it. Who? Kazawa, left back. Probably. Yeah. Probably Kurzawa comes in at left back. I'm I'm hopeful that we'll see the uh the Tosin Isidiop partnership given a run soon, but he might not do it in this game. Mm. Um Obviously, they've been coping without Wilson so far, and it's actually kind of helped them because they've got a bit more pace in the team without him. Because yeah. even though he's, he's the better player, uh, like De Cordova Reed is just quicker than him, and that's working on, on yeah. counter attacks. I'm going to go for the draw. I'll go 2 2. I, I'm curious to see how Forrest deal with the Mitrovic mm. issue because nobody's really dealt with him well. If I was Steve Cooper, I would go Bade, Worrell, McKenna and just try and match him for size and strength. Would that be Bade on the right? On the right and McKenna on the left. And and Worrell in the middle where he's not going to be exposed. Yeah. If he plays Steve Cook, Cook, Fulham will win this game. Yeah. Well, what do you make about um, Forrest's... Well, it's a mix of midfield and attack because they're not not, binned off... um, Taiwo a one he didn't after a couple yeah he hasn't really a couple had many games. opportunities I don't like I think Gibbs White's been quite good but Lingard eh, playing full Lingard's been and very stuff. disappointed yeah very I think you got to get I think you got to get Taiwo or or uh, Dennis um, Emmanuel front, Dennis yeah or dare I say both try and get both of them in the team play Brennan Johnson behind them and maybe drop Gibbs White into midfield play him next to a more defensive player and let him kind of bomb on. Yeah. But you're not like and and Fulham would be one of the teams you'd try that against. You're not going to do it against a, a, a top a big six team. But against a team that you view as a as an equal, I think you could try that. I expect that he'll stick with Lingard for another while, but it hasn't worked. He's been very disappointing. Yeah. Um, he looked ready for that Middle East move, didn't he? He does. <laughs> and I would imagine that's where he'll go next summer. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough, get that money whilst you can. Uh, we'll move on to Saturday then. Um, 
Wolves against Man City is the early kickoff. Uh, Wolves, uh, unless Diego Costa plays, looks like they're strikers because Jimenez is out with fatigue issues, and obviously the new lad got um, uh, did his ACL, didn't he? Mm. Um, whereas Man City. <sighs> They would in midweek, but by all accounts, didn't look great and obviously bribed the goalkeeper, which helps. Um, let's see how big a money bag of money Jose Sar can get off of this week. Um, but they just score well, Haaland's just a freak, basically. Kevin De Bruyne's a freak, and Joe Cancelo has a saucy pass on him. But I think you can get at Man City, but maybe Wolves isn't the team to do it because they'll be playing an 80 year old up front. Yeah, I mean, what we've seen is we've seen Newcastle overpower City in midfield. Now, you're not going to overpower City if you're playing Joe Matinho and Neves, but I wonder if Bruno Lage might play the new lad, the new fella. If is he, he Triore? Or yeah. yeah. If he might go with him over Matinho and just try and overrun them in midfield because he and he specifically did mention him in his press conference today um so I I do wonder if he might go with Bubakar Traore and Matias Nunes either side of Neves Neves, and just try and outrun them and then play Guedes and Neto as your wingers and just try and beat them with pure pace. Mm. It's like it almost, almost, almost worked for Newcastle. They're also, I think, a better defensive team than Newcastle. Well, they are a better defensive team than Newcastle. Mm-hmm. I mean, defensively, they've been the best team in the league this year. We can see the four goals. But I, I do just wonder if that might be the play here. To just try and sit in and then try and tear them up on the counter-attack. Because City are slow at the back. Walker's got pace, obviously, but Canseo's not not the quickest. Stones isn't quick. Diaz isn't quick. Could they play a Kanji? Because I know he's quite quick for a centre-back. They might could, and it, it might be him. It might mm. be him. But again, he's not the best. Defend- he's not the best defender. He's just And if, if Diego Costa is your striker, he, he'll bully a Kanji. So like, he won't bully Diaz. Diaz is very, very strong. Stones can be bullied though. So if it's Stones and Diaz, he'll go and he'll stand on Stones. If it's a Kanji and Diaz, he'll go and stand on a Kanji. If it's a Kanji and Stones, he'll have a field day. Um, I do think there's an opportunity for Wolves in this game. Now they go into it with no um Chiquinho, no Raul Jimenez, uh, and no Sasa. So those are disappointing, but I think they should be all right. Um, City, no Laporte, but he is on his way back, and they reckon he should be back after the international break. Ooh, I've just seen the other injury. <laughs> and Kyle fun. Walker. Mm. Who, now, would it be the young Spanish lad? Not maybe Is that Aki's fit? Could be John so maybe Stones at right back. Aki left back and Cancelo right back? That's one option. Or he, he's played Stones right back a couple of times this season, so he could play him there and play either Aki or Kanji next to Diaz mm. um, and leave Canseo where he is. But yeah, he could he could play... Um, Out of all the money they've spent, how has it got to that? He could play Gomez, the new left-back they bought in the summer. Yeah. Left-back and then Canseo right-back. So they do have options, but 
you're weakening your team either way. Like defensively, none of those are quite as good as you don't want to move from Cancelo from left back as well either. To be fair. No, exactly. Um, I'm going to pick the City win though. I am because yeah. they, they are the better team. There's no doubt, and you just have to give them their respect. So I'll say I'll say two one, but I think Wolves will make it hard for them. Yeah, I think Wolves just make it hard for anyone at the minute. Um, but moving on then to the non-televised game on Saturday at three, uh, 3 o'clock is Newcastle against Bournemouth. Um, for all the praise Newcastle have got, and some of it rightly so, that Man City game was excellent for the second half. But did, is it not, they haven't won since the opening day. I'm pretty sure that's still correct. Yeah. Yeah. They need to win this game. They do. They do. Um, for all the, the praise they've gotten, they're level on points with Bournemouth, who've been battered a couple of times. Um, so they do. Newcastle need to go and win this game. One win, four draws and a defeat is not the type of start that warrants the praise they've gotten. Now, I know they've, they've had a bit of a cry about the Liverpool game and you know said they deserve more from this game and that game, but you have the points you have. This is a good opportunity for them to get a win. Now, the thing is, Bournemouth will come into this game with nothing to lose and haven't taken four points from the last two games. So, you know, they'll be confident enough that they can get something here. No Carol Darlow, no John Joe Shelby, no Callum Wilson. Oh, well, Callum Wilson's a doubt, but I, I wouldn't say he'll be back. Um, mm. Bruno Gomerish, they're hopeful he could be back. Alan St. Maximin looks unlikely. And Emil Kraft is out probably for the season, which is really dis- disappointing because he actually had a really good run on the team last year when Trippier got hurt. Uh, for Bournemouth, Joe Rothwell still injured, has been since he signed. Ben Pearson's out. Junior Stanislas should be back. But, I mean, how is he still a Premier League player? And David Brooks is just working his way back. You know, his his body is having to rebuild muscle. So um, it's going to take a while. But... Um, I'm going to go for the home win here. I think Bournemouth will struggle to deal with with Isak. Mm. So I'll, I'll go for a 3-1 Newcastle win. I just remembered that I remember Stanislas coming through at West Ham, so I'm getting old. That is my realisation of the day, Dave. Yep, 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 yep. that is you. I think Zola was the manager as well, so I'm really old. Um, let's move on. Spurs-Leicester. Um Final nail in the coffin for Brendan? I reckon so. I reckon so. Um, Leicester, no Ricardo Pereira. Dennis Pryat's a doubt. Ryan Bertrand's out, but wouldn't play anyway. So they're only really missing Pereira. So when you see their starting 11, that's pretty close to the best 11 he can pick. Um, he's Spurs, got a new lad, hasn't he, in centre-back? He's got to play him at this point. Uh, and what a what a game to throw him into mm. against Harry Kane. Um, Spurs will have no Lucas Moura, but everybody else is fit. Spurs have obviously started the season very well domestically. Four wins, two draws, unbeaten, third place, one point behind Arsenal. Leicester have been a disaster. They've got one point. And it's not just that they've got one point. It's the manner in which they have one point. If we look at the games that they've played, they got their only point in the opening day at home to Brentford. In that game, they went 2-0 up, fell apart, and it was Brentford in the 90th minute 
trying to win the game and coming closest to winning the game. The following week, they played Arsenal. They went 2-0 down. Then they scored and dragged themselves back into it. They immediately gave up a third goal. Then they scored again and got themselves back into it and immediately gave up another goal. They played Southampton. They went one up. They lost 2-1 at home. They went to Chelsea. Chelsea had Gallagher sent off after 28 minutes. And then Chelsea went 2-0 up. How does a team go 2-0 up against you when you've got a man advantage? That is absolutely shocking. Especially a team that counts. Couldn't, well, a team that still couldn't score, score and can still can't score. Do you know, uh, they lost 1-0 to United, who, I mean, Ollie Ball in full effect. And then they went to Brighton. They score in the first minute. Then they go 2-1 behind. Then they equalise. And you think, right, 2-2, you're lucky to be going in at half-time 2-2. Surely in the second half, you're going to be better. And no, Brighton scored, and then they just, Leicester just gave up. And it ended 5-2. It could have been 6 or 7. It should have been 6. Disgraceful that the McAllister mm. um, well, Thunderbolt was, dis- yeah. was disallowed. But um, they gave up. And... I think they're very lucky that the Villa game got called off last week because I think they would have got beaten by Villa. And if Villa beat you, you know you're in trouble. I think he's gone after this one. I think this has to be it. It has to be it. And they're another club that will be looking at the same pool of managers as Brighton. So Brighton better get their act together and get a manager appointed quite soon. I think Spurs win this game... 4-1, 4-1, and I think Rogers goes Sunday night, Monday morning. I do think that maybe a slight question mark on Spurs is that they have to, well, keep Kulisevsky in the team, basically. I know they've tinkered with rotation with Richarlison there, which was the point of signing Richarlison, but I don't think that front three works without Kulisevsky. It doesn't. It doesn't. It has not worked without Kulisevsky because Richarlison doesn't offer anything that young Min's son doesn't offer. And they just seem to get in each other's way mm. far too often. Um, and they're doing the same things, and there's no real difference in what they're bringing to the team. My my feeling is that Kuliseski has to start, Kane has to start, and you pick between Richarlison and Son. Now, obviously, Son is the much better player, but Richarlison is in better form. Yeah. So maybe you go with him. Yeah. Um, I, I still think they'll wipe the floor with, with yeah, this lesson. Lesson just looks so bad at the minute. Absolutely. Uh, that one is on Sky at half five if you're in the UK. Uh, moving on to Sunday then. Uh, Brentford-Arsenal. Um, I think this could be a good game. Brentford, obviously... Um, impressive in their last game over Leeds. Ivan Tony went on a mad one. Whereas Arsenal did Arsenal things and well, should have beat United. They were in the position to beat United and take over the league. Um, and then they didn't. They slipped up against, I know, an improved United team, but it just almost feels like it's just always Arsenal. Yeah, it is. It's a very Arsenal thing to do. Now, like you said, Ivan Tony went nuts last time out. Ivan Tony caused Arsenal a lot of problems last year. Arsenal lost. 
at Brentford last season, and I think Brentford are better now than they were then. I know Arsenal are as well, but I've been impressed with what I've seen from Brentford this season. And obviously, they're three unbeaten. They've only lost one this season. Um, they've got nine points and they've scored a bunch of goals, which was a problem for them at times last season. Arsenal should win the game because of the better team. But when we look at the injury problems, Zinchenko's out. Reese Nelson is out. Cedric Sorez is out. Thomas Partey remains a major doubt. Al Nenny is out. Smith Rowe is out. So that's quite a bit for a small squad. Jack now, Norgard field on his own. <laughs> Jesus, that's the thing. Like, I, uh, Sambi Laconga looked awful against United. Um, yes, I forgot he existed. Norgard and Pinnock are out for for Brentford. Norgard is a big blow because he's really important to them. Mm. Um, and the Sergi Canos is a doubt as well. Ah. My feeling is that. Arsenal should win this game, but I, I do sort of fancy Brighton to get the upset. Brentford. I'm going to go Bright, or Brentford, rather. I'm going to go Brentford 2-1. I think Ivan Tony's just going to cause them a load of problems. Yeah, and in that midfield battle, I think... I think they Norg- might just overrun them. Norgard's a miss, but I think if you've got Onyeka, Baptiste... They haven't even used Damsgaard yet, have the Jensen? No. Jensen's so, improved. Yeah. Uh, they've got Janelt. There's, there's just They've got good options in there. Mm. And I do just think Arsenal are missing a couple too many players to have. And I don't think you can like squad. drop. I don't think you can put like Odegaard into midfield and play Vieira against a team like Brentford as well. You'll get you'll get absolutely mm-hmm. tranced. Um, I'm going to go Brentford two one. Yeah, I can get see upset that. of the week pick. I can see that. Um, Everton West Ham, uh, last game of the weekend. Um, the Moisey Derby. Yes, absolutely. Um, Everton obviously give Liverpool a tough time in the Derby. Um, frustrated Liverpool. Liverpool frustrated themselves, of course. Whereas West Ham... God, I had to scroll a long way to get to West Ham there. <laughs> um, they're still finding their feet in this season. I think Moyes basically said that himself after the game last night. You you mentioned in the in the first half of the show without Declan Rice on the field, maybe the team just doesn't operate that well. Mm. He'll obviously be playing in this game, but we saw it in previous games. I mean, Everton's midfield is probably their best bit of the minute with Iwobi. Um, what's his new lad called? I forgot. Onana. Onana, and then even uh, even Tom Davies has improved. So it's not like he'll just go there and walk through that midfield, maybe like they would have last year. So I think this could be a probably be a boring game because that's what Frank Lampard does. But I think it'll be interesting at the same time. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. Um, Everton yet to win in the league, four straight draws and four fairly boring games. Forest, Brentford, Leeds and Liverpool. Now, for Everton... The first three of them, they're teams they should be looking to beat because they're Everton and they've got, you know, they've got some pride, or they should have some pride about themselves. But they were celebrating those draws. Obviously, they'll take a draw against Liverpool because Liverpool should should have walloped them and Liverpool just aren't playing well. 
But I, I do just, I don't know where the goals come from in this Everton team. Like so far this season, they have scored four goals. Two of them came from long balls over the top. One was an own goal. And one was a defensive error, error by Lorente. Now I give them credit for the Lorente one because it was a decent move that led to it anyway. But like long balls over the top, teams figure that out really quickly. So when Anthony Gordon starts making those runs in future or Damari Gray, teams will just block them off. Um, or teams will drop off a little bit and not let Cody or Pickford lob the ball over the top. Now it's Begovic now for the time being. That's the thing. It's Begovic. So less... Um, Everton are missing a lot of players here. Townsend, Godfrey, Mina, Pickford, Calvert-Lewin, Decore, and Holgate. It looks like Calvert-Lewin might be back, according to this. Him and Decore are, have, are, are kind of 50-50 at the minute, apparently. Now, I haven't heard yeah. what Lampard has said today, so maybe, he, maybe he'll say something in his press conference. But... If they rush them back, they're going to get re-hurt. So they're going to probably come off the bench at best. Mm. There's just a lot of players missing. And like the, the drop-off from Pickford... Now, Pickford's not obviously not great, but he's a lot better than, than Begovic. So that's a big drop-off. I, I can't see Everton getting anything here. I think West Ham have started the season really poorly, but they've started to find a bit of form in Europe. They obviously... Lost last time out in the in the Premier League um, to Chelsea, but I mean it's not a bad result. They did draw with Spurs. They did beat uh, Villa, mm. and I think they will beat. I think they will beat this. Everton. Got minimum in, in got minimum injuries as well as yeah. Agard's out for a couple Johnson. of months, yeah. and uh, Ben Ben Benjamin Johnson is out, but he'll be back soon enough. I, I think yeah. they'll be fine. And I, I think they'll win this game and they'll start to climb up the table because I, I do think West Ham are going to finish in the top seven. I think they're the seventh best team in the league, probably. Um, so it yeah. also says Creswell's out. Isn't it? I don't know why it's not listed as a separate injury. But if you oh, Moyes said that, didn't he? Yeah, if you read the description on Johnson on Premier Injury, it says Creswell's not training either. So I don't yeah, know why he's not noted. He didn't, didn't play last night either, yeah. so... Um, but they have, they have, they'll be fine. They have okay yeah, fullbacks. Yeah. They're fine at centre back. I expect West Ham to win this game. I'll go two one. And that was the last game. And that was the last one. And that was the last podcast for the week. Uh, we'll be back Tuesday. No podcast on Monday. Uh, enjoy your weekends and um, see you then. Bye bye. Podcast Network.